0: Guys in a comic. This is the Almighty Red Skull here to invite you to the greatest show on earth.
1: Hey, right? hey, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not always about the Red Skull. You can hail Hydra all you want, but you know what? This is Rusty Surfer. I'm coming to you with the four guys from Four Guys in a Comic, featuring the talented, the great.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that intro, Rusty. It is I, Tap, and today the power is mine, as we have so much in store for you guys, such as
3: Okay, alright. Let's let's take it down a notch, fellas. This is Nova, and thank you for tuning into the Four Guys in a Comic Rebirth featuring everything you love. Let's get started with an interview. Yeah, All let's right. do it. yeah, let's do it. All right, Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, we love your work a lot. But unfortunately, for those poor souls out there that aren't familiar with you, would you mind talking a little bit about yourself?
4: Sure. Uh, thanks. I, uh, my name is Joe Kelly. I'm uh, one-quarter of Man of Action Entertainment. Uh, we're the guys that created Ben 10, uh, Generator X, Big Hero 6, uh, just to name a few. Um, my partners are Duncan Rulo, Steve Siegel, and Joe Casey. Uh, I've been writing comics for almost 20 years, which is terrifying, but, uh, but I've been very lucky. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a great career. I've worked at Marvel in DC. I wrote Deadpool uh, in the, his initial ongoing series uh, for about three years. I've written Spider-Man, Superman, Justice League, uh, X-Men, uh, then did a bunch of independent work. So for Image, uh, I Kill Giants uh, is a book I'm very proud of. Uh, I have a book out now called Four Eyes uh, and a, uh, a mistreated book that I love called Bad Dog that uh, only appears once in a blue moon. Uh, but that's my fault, not my artist's fault. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and Man of Action does everything from film to TV to video games, uh, primarily we're known for animation, but we're doing a lot of expanding and other things. And, uh, I, myself also write, uh, film and animation and TV and all that good stuff too. So that's, that's me in a quick, uh, sputtered out nutshell. That's quite a bit of stuff. How do you, I'm glad
0: you were able to take the time for us. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. I, I like to, it's good to take breaks. I was just yes. actually talking about to somebody uh, about that today that you know, if we don't if we don't take a little bit of time to slow down once in a while and like talk to human beings, like I really can go literally the whole day and not talk to anybody except my family and uh, and they're lovely people.
5: But it's very nice <laughs>
4: to talk to other people too. Yes. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: So the one thing I have to ask is obviously I think most people in the comic book world know you for Deadpool. So I don't want to talk all about that, but just real quick, I have a question about Deadpool number one. First of all, sure. thank you for being the godfather of Deadpool to us. Okay, you are the person that made <laughs> yes. him into the character yeah. we all know and love today. Uh, yes. You right? are, and uh, I don't f- personally, I don't feel like you get enough credit. So thank you. Um, no. But in Deadpool number one, we actually just reviewed it a couple months ago on our podcast, and we noticed while reviewing it that in one of the panels, um, Ed had drew what appears to be a figure of Batman in the Wayward School of Girls. <laughs> And the shadow. Now was that yes. done? Like do you do you remember that? Do you know anything about that?
4: It's so funny. It's vaguely familiar actually. And uh that sounds like something Ed would do. Ed, Ed loves to hide characters from other things in um in the book. I mean in that first issue the Mercs that are after him are all like Tekken characters, right? Aren't right, they they basically they look like they're all out of Tekken? Yeah. Or Street That's what Fighter. I was saying it looked like um, Jin and Kazuya and yes. stuff. Yes. I was like, <laughs> no, that yeah. was
2: one of the things we were mentioning yeah. in the podcast. Too. Yeah, we were
4: talking about that. Yeah, so it, he loves to hide that kind of stuff in there. So it would not surprise me that there was somebody uh with, with pointy ears <laughs> hidden in the back. <laughs> Lurking well, in the was, shadows. Not Batman um just like those other guys are not from tech and work (laughs) (laughs) of course not no yeah never but yeah no we everybody likes to try to you know there's so much time anytime you see a wall with graffiti or whatever i mean we're always sneaking little things in when we can uh but that is that's definitely an ed hallmark he's always done that as long as i've known him
3: Uh it is so just talking about i've been looking over your future projects and again i i personally don't know how you found time to to do this podcast because i mean man of action has mega man you're doing your i kill giants film adaptation uh there's a new ben 10 series so plus you're you're i guess you're finished up with the second volume of four eyes now too so mm-hmm. um h- how how like how do you take time off from all this stuff? <laughs>
4: Uh, well, uh, my editors will tell you I'm horribly late on, uh, on all sorts of things. <laughs> um, now, you know, time management is something you just sort of, uh, you learn over the course of a career and, and some, some weeks I'm really good at it. And some weeks I'm just not, I mean, I'd be totally honest. I mean, it's, um, you know, something like when you have a show in production, so something like Ben 10, there's a, a huge machine behind you. So that's, that's moving at a pace and you have to keep up. Like there's no, there's no missing that stuff. Um, comics pretty much the same thing just on a smaller scale and you have some latitude like um i'm writing a uh, spider-man deadpool right now yes. and they just solicited a fill-in issue for us which we definitely needed um and it happens you know that you start out with the best of intentions of timing and then it just doesn't quite work out so uh so that's just just a fill-in um i had people reaching out to me on twitter like you quit the book already i'm like no no <laughs> I'm not. i love the book um So yeah, it's just, it's, it's how you sort of parse out the day. We were just, uh, again, I was just talking to one of my partners about that today. I try to do uh, like the work for me first, uh, you know, with air quotes around. I mean, it's all my stuff, but things that I'm like most excited about, most creatively passionate about, I try to bang out earlier in the day. And then the stuff that feels more businessy or is kind of lighter uh, lifting tends to be later on in the day. Um, And, uh, and I still make time to hang out with the gang and play video games and you know do family stuff. I mean, it's you have to, otherwise you're. Uh, I mean, there are people who don't, and I'm and they're probably much more successful than I am. But uh, I try to have a life uh, in the midst of all that stuff. You
3: Hopefully. seem like a happy guy, so things must be going uh, swimming. <laughs> I know.
1: You, I, I mean, they can't see the video, but you just got a big <laughs> smile on your face. Entire time. time. I mean.
4: <laughs> well, there you know, were actually four guys, as promised. Yes. So automatic, of course. Uh, There's no no
1: false advertisement here. Nope,
4: none. (laughs) So many times the internet just leads you wrong. So
0: (laughs)
1: you got to believe everything that's on the internet, right? Yeah.
4: (laughs) Unless it's
0: April Fool's Day.
1: (laughs) That's true. true. Oh,
4: I should have thought of something. I should have said I was quitting something today. That would have been a good April Fool's. Um, I uh, gosh, we did that once too. It wasn't April Fool's uh, Day, but we were we were in a writer's room with the. with Bendis on Ultimate Spider Man, and um, he had left his iPad open on Twitter, which was a huge mistake when he went oh. to the bathroom. And we're all and we're <laughs> like, oh, should we do something? Should we do something? And uh, Siegel just sa- says, uh, just type in uh, two words, quitting Avengers. And, <laughs> and so he did. And, it went out. and the firestorm was hilarious. Like it was instant and immediate. <laughs> And he comes back, back from the bathroom, and he just goes, "Which one of you idiots touched something?" <laughs> <laughs> it not stop right <laughs> <laughs> and then he had to go on and Casada. You know, it was really funny. That was one oh, of the better pranks of. Uh, oh, that is hilarious. That's yeah, pretty pretty, funny. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, I, I am. A, I am happy. I mean, I'm. Uh, you know, the stuff we get to do, we're very, very lucky to get to do it. I mean, I. Um, I it's not ever lost on me that uh, people, you know, spend their their hard-earned money to to be entertained by our comics or our shows or, you know, the, all the stuff that we do. And um, and it means a lot. So sometimes it might feel jobby, you know, like there are times where it's like, oh, there's deadlines or there's things you've got to hit. But at the end of the day, I just have to kind of kick myself in the head and go, uh, hey, you're writing Spider-Man and Deadpool and they're making, you know, nut jokes like life it is, is OK. It
2: is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being a father of a, I have a 7 year old and a 4 year old and I have to say first of all thank you for creating shows like Ben 10, Generator Rex, mm-hmm. Big Hero 6 um, because it's things that I can actually sit down with my son and watch and get into just as much as he is it's not something where I feel like it's a chore when he wants to watch Caillou you know like he really enjoys <laughs> those shows and I can get into them with him, Ultimate Spider-Man I think me and him have binge watched all 3 seasons Like, yes, it's things like that that I am very grateful for. And so thank you very much for that. Um, and I also saw that you guys are in the process right now of creating a mega man, mm-hmm. an animated mega man series. So, uh, do you have, an, I think it's a 2017. Do you have like any set dates or what can you tell us, I guess about it?
4: Well, first, thank you for saying that. I, it, it's always nice to hear that, you know, from, uh, from adults and, and typically their dads, uh, certainly, there certainly, there've been plenty of moms uh, who come over to the booth and, and say they watch the shows with their kids and, we uh you know three of the four of us have kids all of us have nieces and nephews and and kids that are a part of our lives and and we all remember what it was like i mean you know you kind of, it's kind of impossible to be in this job and not have that kid in you sort of be alive all the time so uh, but we're adults and we don't want to we don't want to bore parents and we want to make sure there's stuff for everybody to the best of our ability you know within the limits of whatever the medium allows and and we're fans at the end of the day, too. So in terms of Mega Man, we're bringing that same spirit to it. You know, we obviously respect him as a, as a video game icon. And the character has been around for 30, it'll be 30 years um, in 2017. So we try to hit it with a fresh outlook, uh, something that's going to be fun for us and fun for a new audience. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of the kids that would be watching the show maybe know them from, like, Smash Brothers, but they don't necessarily know the history, and they probably haven't seen the old shows. So it's a great opportunity. We love taking... You take the the DNA of what works best for you, you know, and uh, and we even though we have four very different opinions in Man of Action, we all kind of agree, okay, that works. We'll come at it from different angles, but then we can find something that works. Um, so there will be new elements, and then there's a lot of plucking from the long history that the properties had and putting them and synthesizing them into something new. So I really can't say too much about it stylistically or obviously any details, but it is fun. I mean, we're having a really good time on it and the people who are working on it care deeply about the project. So it's like,
5: awesome.
4: uh, yeah. And it's, you know, uh, Capcom's involved. Uh, Densu USA is our, uh, the production partner. Everybody's really kicking butt on it. So um. So far, so good. Um, we'll see how it how it all works out. But it's uh, we're having a really good time. Fantastic,
3: awesome. Um. Now, uh, what can you say about your uh, I Kill Giants movie?
4: Uh, I Kill Giants is uh, <laughs> it's caught in that lovely Hollywood machine of uh, waiting for a green light. Uh, but
5: okay.
4: <laughs> that being said, it's in really good shape. I mean, we have a, a director. His name is Anders Walter. Uh, he won the Academy Award a couple of years ago for a short film called Helium. He's great, super, super talented, incredibly sweet guy, very smart, uh, Danish director. And um, Helium has a lot of overlap with the themes of Eichel Giants and he's a he's a great visualist too uh what he did in helium uh on a very very limited budget was amazing so uh zoe saldana is uh uh, still attached to play miss mole which is really cool um she's been super passionate about the project too um very very kind uh in in speaking with Anders about it and and to the producers like she's really on board so that's great and i wrote the script which makes me extremely happy um and everybody's been really cool. Like The thing I keep saying is that it's, it's been a very atypical Hollywood story where the writers kind of get shoved aside almost immediately, or it's like, oh, thanks for your book. Uh, we realize we want to make a movie out of this, but clearly we don't want the brain that made that book. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, And nobody's been like that. And in part, it's because uh, I haven't given people a choice, I and mean, I've told people very flat out, like, this is my baby, and this is how it has to be. Uh, but but they've all bought onto it, you know, and, and I wrote the script uh, quite a while back. It's gone through plenty of development, but when I first wrote I Kill Giants, I, I just liked it so much that I kind of quickly adapted it, so I always had it kind of in my back pocket. Um, so they were able to see a full script and see how I write, and I was, you know, trained as a screenwriter, so it, sometimes comic guys have a bad rep when it, they translate to other medium because they maybe haven't done it before or... Somebody had come in and maybe screwed the pooch. Um, so they are, they're always a little bit leery about uh, giving you the keys to a movie or a TV show or something. So, you, see, you know, you have to prove yourself even if you've been a writer for a very long period of time. But uh, that, that's happened. So, um, so, yeah, now I'm just trying to find the, the magical green light and then we'll be cooking away, hopefully shooting this year. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Very cool. Very cool. So
1: you won a International Mango Award for it, too, right? Yeah. 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 How did you feel about that? And when it happened, because it doesn't typically happen to Americans, right? Right. Right. It uh, it
4: was it was really amazing. And uh, Ken Ken Moro lives in Tokyo at the moment. Um, So he's in Japan and uh, it was he's he's half Japanese and half Spanish um he's got like the coolest life That's like the interesting combo yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in madrid and paris and tokyo and he's bangs all over the place and super smart and he speaks like 10 languages and <laughs> he's a talented artist i'm totally yeah. jealous but um no that was amazing because i'm a huge i'm a huge fan of uh of manga you know i mean of all types of manga you know lots of different stuff um I'm definitely a, a Japanophile. I mean, there's so much of the pop culture that I, I ingest all the time. So, to to have won that award was a huge, huge honor. And uh, and like I said, it's not typically given out to an American. So, um, so yeah, it was it was really great. And uh, and because it was actually because Ken lives in Tokyo, he physically has the award. So I'm a little jealous <laughs> to see a picture of it, but. So you said you're you're really
1: into uh, I guess manga and uh, you into anime and stuff too. I'm not as up to
4: date as I would like to be, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, I definitely like a lot of stuff. Do, do you have a favorite? Um, well, I, there I tend to follow uh, creators, right? So uh, Satoshi Kon, even though he's you know no longer alive, uh, unfortunately died very young, but uh, he's the one who did um, Paprika and Paranoia Agent. Um, perfect blue I don't know if you, if you guys know those um, those shows uh, Tokyo Godfathers which is an incredible film um, Cowboy bebop even though it's a classic is like you know I'm a hu- humongous fan um, and I just got my grubby hands on uh, Evangelion 333 uh, 3, 3, you know like the new movie um, which I, you know I've been waiting like two years like everybody else for um, that series I just find fascinating. Um, because it, just a, the attempt to like keep telling that story and like get it right, quote-unquote, is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love this story. I love the art. And then uh, as far as uh, manga goes, um, uh, anything that uh, Urosawa does, I'm a humongous fan of. So I just, I just finally finished Monster, which, again, is a little bit old, but it's, um, for me it was brand new. Uh, 20th Century Boys. I'm kind of in, but not all the way there. Pluto is an unbelievable book. Um, then there's a book called uh, Doro Hedoro. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book. Q uh, Hayashida is the artist, and uh, she's created this really intense, funny, and disturbing world that I, I love. Um, that's a really, really bizarre book. If you like the gorier stuff, that's a that's a good book. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, uh, and then my son and I were just watching like uh, "Devil is a Half Timer" um, the other day, which is really funny. Um, I don't know what else did we watch. We just you know stuff comes across, and I check it out. I mean, I just I try to stay as up to date as I can. There's just not enough hours in the day between, you know, what's new on Netflix, what's new on HBO, what's new on. You know films and da da da, but I, I try to get as much as I can. But the classics, you know, I, I I'm also a huge. Uh, if you could see my wall, you'd see all this stuff. Uh, Tetsuka fan, um, and Tetsuka's is probably my, you know, my sort of uh, my manga hero because it's like he was able to do stuff like Astro Boy, and kids' properties, right? Simba and all that sort of stuff, um, but then also did really really adult weird stuff. And he did everything in between. And I like that he never allowed himself to be pigeonholed. Um, so, you know, he's got this book called Ode to Kirihito that's really trippy and weird. Uh, MW is very, you know, interesting and sexual and strange. And, you know, he so he has a lot, of, runs the whole gamut. Um, and then stuff like Blackjack, which is more like a procedural and kind of fun. And so, uh, yeah, Tetsuka is like really, I mean, you know, he's the godfather of manga for a reason. I mean, he's really... And when you realize they wrote and draw every, you know, he wrote and drew everything. Um, I forget how many thousands of pages that he personally produced. I, it's inconceivable amount of work. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend all that stuff.
5: Very cool. Yeah.
0: So Joe, I was kind of wondering. You've got so much stuff under your belt. Is there any singular thing that you're the most proud of? But yet on the flip coin, is there anything you wish you could
4: go back and just redo? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a good question um yeah i mean I, I, I luckily i've been i've been able to work on projects that generally i'm i'm excited to work on and that i feel like i can make a real contribution to so i mean i'm certainly very obviously very proud of i Kill giants um because that really came from a very personal place and the fact that people kind of keep finding it it's becomes an evergreen book um it is very meaningful to me and uh so that that i'm very proud of but um gosh, I mean, you know, we've been, it's, it's so cool. You know, you have a Ben 10 and to be able to go like almost anywhere on the planet and somebody kind of knows Ben 10, that's, that's humbling. Um, so I'm super proud of that. I I love four eyes. I mean, I love them all. That's the thing. Like you start to just list them off. Like here's my 17 children. I love them all. Uh, (laughs) I I love them all differently. Um, as far as going back, uh, and things I would fix. Honestly, you know, we were joking about time management before, but it's it's the creator-owned stuff that I was unable to 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 put out on a regular basis. That I would go back and fix. You know, it's um, steampunk. Steampunk actually wasn't our fault. That was um, that was the publisher. Uh, it it dipped below their threshold, kind of for sales. We we actually had that whole thing figured out, but that was sort of the start of it. So you know, bad dog, I would. I wish that I could just pump out on a monthly basis. You know, Four Eyes, Max and I have come up with kind of a, a strategy for how we're going to get through the next couple of arcs, but it's going to take some time, and there was a big chunk of time in between. So it's really more about, about biting off more than I could chew, mm-hmm. and then the things that I sort of loved the most got pushed aside. So that's. it's more of a generalized regret than anything uh, specific of, oh, I wish I'd done that episode better or something like yeah.
5: that. That's
2: cool. Yeah. Now, speaking of Four Eyes, I've read the the first four issues of Volume One, and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I haven't had a chance to read Volume Two yet. Um, I know the third issue just released earlier this week, um, yep. so I need to go back and get those. But I guess what kind of spawned the idea for Four? I mean, it's definitely a unique story. It's not like anything that you see on a regular basis. It's it's definitely a a, a unique thing. So where do, I guess did you come up with the idea for it?
4: Thank you. You know, it's funny, the ideas for these things, they, they strike me in different ways. Like something like giants really did come like fully formed into my head in one shot. And it's like, how quick can you write it down to make sure you don't lose anything? Uh, four eyes was just an, it was an image. I, I just had the idea of something struck me about this, like barefoot kid cobblestone streets had this dragon on a chain and he had like a Tommy gun. Like I just pictured like I knew it was old, you know, like I knew it was sometime in the 20s or 30s or 40s, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was all I had for a while. And then the idea of the dragon having four eyes, like these little bits sort of your brain kind of puts them together, uh, you know, depending on how you subscribe to how creativity works, you, you just take those things and you let them sit and they germinate. And so then it was like, hey, what if it was the Great Depression? Maybe that's why he's bare feet because he's poor and once you get into the great depression and you start thinking about the themes of that, that time of Oaks where the giants of industry were destroyed and people let them down. So maybe they would take pleasure in watching actual giants battle, you know, for their enjoyment. And that start, that fed the idea of the dragon fighting ring. And, you know, then it just started to build. Um, So yeah, that one was a weird, you know, gift of the gift of the universe. Sometimes, Something like giants, you know, my dad had been sick, he had diabetes, and after he came out of the hospital, I, you know, I never really had to think about the mortality of a parent. So it just sort of, I was a new father, relatively new father. My dad was sick, that created, you know, this sort of tsunami that became I Kill Giants story in my head. You know, so they come from all sorts of different places, but. Four Eyes was one that was, you know, more like archaeological, for lack of a better term. It was just I knew there was something there and it's the tip of the iceberg. And then you kind of dig and dig and dig. And then once Max was involved, that just cracked it open. Like Max, uh, he's so talented and his art is so incredibly beautiful. And um, it just made it brought the whole thing to life, you know, for me, because I knew that he can draw, you know, he draws New York City. As if he lived in that time period. It's amazing. Yeah, no, his
2: artwork's awesome.
4: Yeah, he he's unbelievable. And then so you have that kind of realism, and then yet you know, Enrico's got that giant head with the big ears and a little skinny neck, yes. and you know, he does this great mix, and it all works. Like it it totally fits together. Uh, the sort of the cartooniness, the expression the expressionistic aspect of his art with the reality, and that's I think what marries the dragons and the great depression in a way that people uh, get on board with. So um, yeah, it came from a bunch of places.
2: Fantastic.
0: Yeah. a question for you. One of our listeners, Penny, when uh, we were talking about, we're going to have you on the show, wanted to, wanted to ask you if you could talk about what artists you look forward to
4: working with in the future and why. Oh, wow. Uh, well, hi Penny. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, you know, we, uh, gosh, I, uh, well, I, I can say there's a, a, a children's book that I had sitting in my, my back pocket for a really long time. And, um, and I thought I was going to draw it. I used to draw and, uh, I got about four pages done in like 17 years or something. <laughs> realized that was never going to ever happen. And, um, and I met this, uh, I met this artist at a, at a convention, uh, and she's, she's incredibly talented and she's drawing this kids book for me right now um and uh, her name is andy desdaro and uh she's she's so good like it's ridiculous uh, so i that i'm excited as i see pages you know pop up i'm just like oh my i get really really psyched um so that's on one thing uh you know getting to work with ed on spidey deadpool is totally fun you know it's been it's been such a long time since we worked together uh, he's an incredible talent so i have i have a ton of fun with him And then, uh, gosh, I, you know, I don't, the, the stuff that I have sort of planned for the future, um, I don't have artists yet. A lot of times we just start, yeah, all the guys are man of action, but specifically me, I'll just start writing something and go, I'll find an artist eventually. And uh, I have a, a couple of projects like that. So I don't know who mystery artists out there will be, um, I'm not on a slate for like another mainstream book, you know, like Spidey Deadpool is kind of all I have the bandwidth for in terms of mainstream stuff. And then in terms of the folks that we work with uh, on cartoons and and film, you know, these are giant teams of people. So it's really hard to isolate like, oh, this person or that person. Um, But we've been very lucky to have really high quality teams. Very cool. Now, I can Very tell cool. you on my wish list, I mean, there are people I wish I could work oh, with. Oh yeah, I'll let's yeah. hear it. Yeah, one of the people, I always say this, and and uh, Steve always laughs at me, he's like, we're friends with him, why don't you just go talk to him? Bill Sienkiewicz is one of my favorite artists of all time, like absolutely of all time, and I would I would probably, uh, I would lose at least half a limb to work with Bill <laughs> Fully painted, like really bring me the fully painted stuff. Um that would be something that would be amazing, uh, and there, there—the list of people who are out there—it's it, really too many to, to name, honestly. They're really good, but um, but Bill is just somebody who I've I've loved, you know, like as a kid, uh, you know, like middle school, or whatever. The book that got me back into comics was uh, New Mutants, and it was specifically like during the uh, Danny Moonstar Demon Bear stuff, um, and that that was his cover, so. But so since he got me into comics, I've always fantasized. Oh yeah, one day I get to do a fully painted book with Hi, you. this is Joe Kelly. I will right, we'll ignore this for a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Joe, another one of our uh, listeners, Brendan, had wanted to ask you on a hint for what's coming up with Spidey versus Deadpool, please.
4: Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's some there's some good stuff. Uh, I, I'm having such a good time with this book and the. Uh, the folks at Marvel, uh, yeah, I work with uh, Nick Lowe and Devin Lewis and Jordan White uh, directly, and they they really go to bat for me, which I really appreciate, because I, I just write all the jokes that I want in there, and then they go and they talk to Axel, and they go like, are we allowed to do this? And then the team of lawyers decides if it's going to get us all fired or whatever, and then they, uh, they come back and say, well, you can do this, but you can't do that. But overall, like, I would say like 95% of what I wanted to do has gone through. And, uh, and the 5% that didn't, I understand, you know, it's okay. Um, so what's coming up, um, some very, very bad things, uh, very bad things are going to happen. Um, also probably one of the most ludicrous things I've, I've ever asked Ed to draw uh, is going to come up and I'm I'm very excited about it. I don't know if it's going to be one of those moments. I I do feel like it's going to be like a a WTF moment for 2016. Oh no. <laughs> um, You're going to leave it at that, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, and I hope in a good way and I hope yeah. people take it in the spirit in which it was intended. It, it might be a polarizing splash page, we'll <laughs> <laughs> cool. see. But I'm really psyched, and um, there's there's some guest stars coming up that are going to be pretty cool. I don't; they might have already been mentioned in the solicits, so I don't know, but I'll I'll pretend they weren't. Um, and uh, sort of the first, our first six, even though there's that that fill in, kind of is the first arc, and then the back uh, next six will be kind of the next arc. So, um, yeah, it uh, you know, this the setup of you know the book I you guys have read at least the the first couple issues yes you know of Deadpool's kind of internal struggle about is he really going after Peter Parker or not and of course he doesn't know Spidey is Peter Parker and then Spidey's conflict about really Deadpool is not somebody that he's a fan of but there's something about the guy that he can tell he's trying and he's just somebody it's almost like a it's almost a flaw in his character that he will give people a second chance even Deadpool um and that stuff will absolutely come to a head, you know, so I'm uh, it's not it's it, it's not just a, a long, slow burn with this stuff um, going into issue four, things take off pretty fast.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
4: Awesome. Cool.
1: OK, so I think I have one last question for you. Sure. Are you currently reading any comic books right now, any current story arcs or, or anything from the past? What,
4: what, what are you into right now? I've got So I've got this giant stack uh, uh, on the desk of, of books that I have not yet read. But, um, we hear that still, a lot from writers. We hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot. It's brutal, because you have all this stuff and you want to get to it. Um, so what do I have on the pile right now? It's, uh, well, Saga. Um, you know, Brian... Uh, Brian was at NYU the same time I was at, at NYU. Um, I'm just older than him, so I was a grad student and he was undergrad. So like watching his success it's like you know it's like in the family for me yeah you know because we we both did that Stan Hatton project together I did it the first year he did it the second year um and so I'm just always happy for his success it always makes me happy so uh so Saga I love um I don't have Paper Girls yet I've been waiting to grab that um I've got uh Two Brothers is sitting there um which I can't wait to read um, what else am I digging on? Um, Deadly class. Uh, I think I really like Remender's. Uh, you know, creator on stuff. So Deadly class and Black Science. I really dig. Um, what else am I reading? Uh, I'm Trying to think what's on that stack. Um, Endless, um, right?
6: Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs>
4: yeah. That's a that sad thing. I mean, because I have you know all those all that manga I mentioned before. Like some of them are red but most of them aren't. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it took me, I don't even know how long to, to finish Monster. And Monster is like, it's 18 volumes. It's not even that much. Um, it's not like trying to read One Piece or something, you know. It's uh, uh, it, That took two years or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, oh, Rat Queens. I really love Rat Queens. Um, Image is just putting out so many cool books right oh, now. I'm um, about it. Love Image. Yeah, I, they really, I mean, and, and it's not, I mean, the fact that we we publish our books through them. Um, I'm very, you know, glad to be a part of that group, but I would say regardless, you know, I mean, it's just, they, the stuff they're doing is so cool and envelope pushing and interesting and and they're just trying new things all the time. Um, so my eyes are always out for, you know, what's coming next from those guys. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, this is one of those, it's like, who do you want to work with questions? It's, um, the instant I hang up, I'll be like, oh, here are the 15 books that I'm <laughs> at, right? <laughs> I yeah right now. Uh, but they are, it is so sporadic. That's really, I tend to, um, you know, in my decompression moments, I tend to either play, uh, you know, play games or uh, zone out on, on TV a little bit. And um, so, uh, so I'm playing a lot of Hearthstone. Not that that counts for, you know, <laughs> comics, but, uh, and uh, and Tomb Raider and, you uh, you know when I can, not you know Halo and Battlefront and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, you know, that that tends to be one of my uh, one of my vices, but um, but when I can, I sit down and I get the my big stack and go, okay, now I'm going to read some feed yeah. some comics. <laughs>
5: yeah.
4: uh, I do. I love the cat the uh, Miss Marvel series. That's a really really well done series. Um, and uh, I just bought the Bizarro trade, uh, which I'm looking forward to reading. So, um, you know, stuff that's fun, stuff that's not exactly in my wheelhouse, too, because I don't want to, you know, you don't want to mix, you know, the peanut butter and the and more peanut butter. Uh, yeah. You want to mix the peanut butter and the chocolate. So I try to stay away from, you know, stuff. I, and I haven't picked up a uh, private. Eye. I didn't read it when it was online, but another Brian Vaughn book that now it's in hardcover. Um, there's a book that actually just came out that i would definitely recommend if, if you dig just really trippy art. Uh, it's called The Ark and humanoids put it out and i have it in french i've had it for like a million years i don't read french but there's there's no um there's very little dialogue it's like uh, a letter like the, the main character's writing a letter to his father or whatever and then it's all silent and the art is so trippy um and beautiful and gorgeous so they just published it uh i think this month or last month or something so if you can get a look at that it's it's like mind-blowing stuff it's really really cool
0: and that's the arc and who published that one do you know uh humanoids humanoids okay i to check that out because i love uh stories
4: where it's the arts telling the story oh yeah uh, yeah uh, the, apparently he's a storyboard artist uh i believe is i you know I'm, I'm gonna mangle another name but i, I believe it's uh stefan i think is oh, how you yeah. say his name but um uh, yeah he's a story storyboard artist i believe so um yeah, the, the storytelling is just immaculate and the line work, and it's just, you know, if you're a fan of art, you can't not like this book. And it's it's surreal and it's a little bit trippy, but it's super, super cool. Oh, and cool. now I can read it in English and find out what the <laughs> Not a bunch awesome. of pretty pictures anymore. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Destroy the whole story for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool.
0: All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap everything up, Joe. I really appreciate you coming on to the show.
4: Oh, sure. Thank you guys for having me. I I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. And, uh, you know, if you've got any any other questions or whatever, feel free to fire away. Um, I know uh, we had we had our technical difficulties, so make sure you get full time, whatever you need. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate that. Thank
3: you so much. Yeah, Yeah, thank thank you very, very
4: very much.
2: Yeah, totally. Thanks
3: hopefully you don't have to play too much catch up now with uh, all your other <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
4: no, no, first i'll catch up on lunch that'll be the thing. Yes. <laughs> there you go then there call you. the
3: wife <laughs> right, yes. yeah.
4: wife back yeah actually i'm glad you just reminded me i literally <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you just saved me from getting in a lot of trouble <laughs> you just saved me so <laughs> cool <laughs> all right great. all right thank all you very much thanks for that
3: thanks joe <laughs> It's that magical time in the show where we all just sit down and talk about the books we've been reading this week. And you know what? I think I'm going to start it off this time. So what I'm going to talk about is a book I hope you guys have all read. Uh, You should have seen the cover at least. It's Batman number 244, uh, written by Dennis O'Neill, art by Neil Adams, uh, the one and only. This was in 1972, and for those of you that don't know what the cover is... uh, Rusty, I'm sure you don't. I don't. Uh, It's basically Ra's al Ghul, Raz al Ghul, however you want to pronounce it, standing over Batman in the desert. They're both no shirts on, just hairy chests. And he's basically got his sword down, ready to kill Batman. Um, So the story so far, just really quickly, it was like a two-issue arc. Um, He's Batman, a skier, and a skier named Molly Post. And this... Mongolian guy named Lo Ling have basically uh, killed Ra's Gul. they think. But as we saw in number 243, he was lowered into the Lazarus pit. Um, I'm assuming you all know the Lazarus pit resurrects people. And so who comes out but Ra's Gul, And he's coming out in a fit of rage because it turns out uh, when you go into the Lazarus pit and you're resurrected, um, you basically can't control your anger. You're sort of a feral creature. And he basically takes down Batman and the skier girl and the Mongolian guy. So they leave, and it basically gets to the climax of the, of the issue, which was just awesome. Uh, you have Raish and Batman in the desert, no shirts on, hairy chests, all you know, all macho. And Batman basically challenges Ra's al Ghul to a sword fight to the death, um, which is pretty cool. I mean batman's a pretty competent fighter so he should have this in the bag right and this is without Wrong. prep time. without prep time without <laughs> prep time and no uh it turns out Raisha actually gets him pretty nicely he doesn't kill him he doesn't kill him but uh he slices him with a blade that was poisoned and no there you know there's no prep time when batman doesn't have the antidote to every poison out there uh and he's basically left there to die in the desert what happens next though was really interesting and uh if you're under 12 years old, you should cover your ears. Maybe not. Um, Talia, Talia <laughs> Al Ghul actually comes up to him, and she smooches him the antidote, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So I guess maybe he hmm. was prepped. Maybe it was like a... I don't know. It was the 70s. But what I really liked about this is um, Graham Morrison later, in when he started writing Batman in 2006, brought up this time and basically took it a step further and said that Talia had actually uh, almost roofied Batman and forced him to lay with her, if you will. And this brought about our favorite Robin, I think. Uh, can anyone guess? Drake? Tim. Wow, Damien, guys. Come on. Yeah. Damien, <laughs> Damien I guess, Wayne. I guess two of the four of hey, like know, Tim Drake. Right? <laughs> so uh, you guys read a lot of DC, right? Um Anyway, it, it, this brought about Damian Wayne, and I think that was probably what made me want to go back and read this issue. Uh, it was pretty good, even for a '70s comic. I mean, those were pretty, pretty cornball yeah. sometimes. Yeah, especially from DC, they were doing still so, like he he had a skier helping him out. Batman had a skier helping him out. It just an Olympic skier. I don't know. That, that's <laughs> all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like she's it she's fighting sense. Ra's al Ghul and his like uh, assassin monks or whatever.
2: Well, this was the same time during the Laugh Olympics, and
1: <laughs> it was just, oh, man. 70. They had to pump up uh, the Olympic Games, man.
3: Yeah. But, man, Neil Adams, it was, it was very pretty to look at for sure. And it was just cool seeing Batman be defeated by someone for once. But that's all I've got to say. Um, you know, going to go past the Silver Age, I hope, now. Uh, tap, I'll pass the torch to you. Yeah, so kind of taking it
2: and spinning and making a little bit more a happier comic, I guess you could say. Um, the one I want to discuss is one of my new favorite indie comics called Superhuman Resources. And it's a book that's written by Mr. Ken Marcus. Uh, the book is hilarious. It's about a temp worker named Tim who works in an office full of superheroes. Um, basically what it is, it's a very hilarious twist on what it would be like to work with all these crazy and zany characters. Think The Office meets, like, your favorite superhero team-ups, and you mash them together. That's kind of what you get. Uh, there's a lot of parodies of characters that are done in a very funny, but caring way. He's not making fun of characters, okay? He's not trying to make fun of your favorite Batman or anything like that. It's just parodies, much like Saturday Night Live, etc. For example, one of my favorite parodies is one called The Peeper. Uh, he's a parody of The Watcher, <laughs> and the he's only in it for like a couple pages, but it had me laughing so hard during that time when I was reading it. Uh, there's also The Wombat, you know, which is a Batman the parody. wombat's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The yep. Wombat, yep. the Wombat's good. Um, there's like a, I think his name was like the Devastator or something like that. He was kind of a Thanos type parody. I guess you could say um, there's parodies of basically any, any and every character you could think of. There's a parody of them at some point during it. Um, the art in the book is amazing. Uh, there's two different volumes out. So volume one came out about six years or so ago. And the artist on that, was Justin Bleep. And the art on his is a little bit more crazy, like zanier line work. It wasn't, it wasn't like your traditional animation. It was very kind of like crazy lines. Like the eyelid would go halfway off the page, for instance, like the, the line work was just kind of crazy, but it worked. It worked well for the comic Uh, in the volume two, which is actually going to be dropping in June. So be sure to hit up your local comic book store, say, hey, I want this book, get it in the store, okay? We've previewed it, it's amazing, trust me. Uh, So the artwork in volume two, I actually prefer, I like it a little bit more. Uh, It was a little bit more traditional animation, sort of Animaniac style animation. Um, I don't recall the artist's name on that one, I do apologize, but the artwork in the second volume, uh, I did dig a little bit more uh, over volume one, but both of them were great. They were Both volumes were written by Ken Marcus. It's a hilarious book. I can't say enough about it. We actually had Ken on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Make sure you go back and listen to that, where he talks about the book and everything, and you guys can learn a bit more about it. So,
3: yeah, support Indie Comics. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, I really like the, uh, there was one part in the first volume where the, the refrigerator is recruiting, like... Other electronic devices yes. like the fax machine to yes. take down the, the human.
2: Yeah, the the microwave and the, the coffee, copier. and the
3: coffee maker. It's like it like burned someone's mouth or something. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah. So yeah. weird. Yeah.
2: It's yeah, I gotta uh t-
0: I guess you know, a few days ago I ran into it at the comic book shop, but it only had volumes one, two, and four. It was missing three.
2: Of vol- so oh, issues, one, two, issues,
0: see, of volume issues one, two and four of volume one. That, that that's in the volume one. And I was like, Oh man, I can't get the f- all these three without the one missing so i was like eh, i put it back on the shelf <laughs> I'm, gonna
2: uh, it. <laughs> I'm gonna i'm gonna try to find them at my local shop here coming up i you know i i love it it's probably one of my favorite. It's one of my top five probably definite indie books if not one of my top five books ever so be sure to check it out you guys so rusty what do you got for us my man okay so as you know recently i
1: went through uh infinity entity And uh, we learned about all the crazy stuff with Warlock and Mephisto and how Warlock was just basically a giant battery and he was omnipotent Infinity Gauntlet without the Infinity Gauntlet. And um, now I have the finale of the trilogy uh, with (laughs) Jim Starlin, Ron Lim. And um, it's crazy. Like, the the whole thing is really, really good. Like, I, I can't begin to explain how, like... I, because okay jim starling you guys should do the smile on yeah. his face
2: right now <laughs>
1: and we also know why that smile is there because somebody got an
0: autograph today
1: with jim starling didn't i he? did
2: i Ooh. did
1: oh strange tales 178 first magnus it's pretty cool man but we're not talking about that we're talking about yes. in finale yes. okay um it, it's it's good. And I thought it was falling off a little bit, you know, through the trilogy and stuff. Well uh, The second book was all right, and I didn't really get it. But this, this tied it up pretty well. Thanos comes back from the dead, basically. Mistress Death sends him on a journey to go try and save the world, because he's, like, really the only one that can do anything. And Annihilus is this super giant upgraded bug thing, and he's just destroying planets left and right, but he's under the manipulation of Mephisto, even though he doesn't know it. Mephisto disguised himself as someone else and um, he's basically running things. The the thing is, is that it starts out with like most of the book is a giant fight scene. Like that's the coolest thing about it. Like almost like one third of the book is just a giant fight where we have... um, Annihilus sending soldiers, bugs and that stuff out there after the heroes on Earth. They're all on the moon right now. Earth is half destroyed, basically, and um, they're on a moon base and they bust in Thanos pops up. And the first thing Thanos does is Hulk tries to attack him and he punches Hulk in the face, basically, and then shoots a ray at him. And Hulk, he just like pushes Hulk aside and he's like, get out of here, you know? And so he comes in, he alerts everyone what's going on and stuff. They have the giant fight scene. It's great. Um, you get to see Thor get like blown into pieces it's ridiculous his hammer just flies off and um, eventually Pip the troll the whole time finds Adam Warlock like yeah apparently that was his whole thing he's been like wandering around um, Annihilus' ship and he found the battery he releases Warlock but when he wakes up Warlock Warlock has like I guess the epiphany because he realizes what he was and when he wakes up there's too much power and he destroys the whole universe Like everything is gone. And when he's just floating in nothingness, the only person he can think of is Thanos. And so he brings Thanos back and he's like, what is happening? And Thanos explains what's happening to him. uh, And they go to the one above all. And I'm telling you, like, it's crazy. The ending is crazy. I really don't. I want to spoil the ending, but I don't want to spoil the ending because Let's just say that the Adam Warlock in there ends up being someone very important and key to the balance of the Marvel universe in general, the whole thing. Period. All of the universes. But oh, it's a really good read. It, it really good stuff. And um, I guess that it's going to end up being canon in some way uh, through Secret Wars. Uh, I don't know. They kind of mentioned Secret Wars. So. What
0: is but. the release of this issue?
1: It was only released like two weeks ago. Um, It's it's an OGN, right? What
3: what is it? Original graphic novel.
1: Yeah, it's an original. It's hardback. Um, I got it wrapped in uh, plastic, man. Very cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's great stuff. Uh, Definitely suggest it. But um, I think we have one more person left. And uh, what's Mr. Hale Hydra himself have for us?
0: (laughs) Well, as many of you may have known already, I have renounced my Marvel ways, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I am just all image these days. And Say
2: it ain't so! I Imagine know, uh, that! It is so <laughs> Hydra of you!
5: Yeah. I know,
0: you know. Now, if I can only get Kirkman to write uh, a good Hydra story, you know, and I, I don't know who who could I get to pencil that, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I keep hearing people talking about Outcast. Outcast. And I was like, okay, let me go pick it up. You know, it took me three different shops. I found all 18 issues, got them all. And I decided one evening just to go ahead and sit down and read issue one. I'll tell you what, I enjoyed it so much, I blew through all 18 issues within like 45 minutes. And wow. then the very next day, I read it all over again one more time. It was that good. And very rarely would you will I ever read a comic a second time but this was just like wow I just gotta reread it one more time so I can see what I was missing it's kind of one of those things to where you know some of those movies are just so good and you read it when you watch it the second time you pick up things that you missed the first time that's with Outcast Um, but Outcast in a nutshell uh, it's uh, written by Robert Kirkman as we all know and his writing is just amazing I mean Walking Dead Invincible just great stuff Our main character in here is Kyle Barnes. And our story basically starts off with a mother, you know, arguing with his children. And all of a sudden, her son bites his finger off, his own finger. And then, you know, the story kind of breaks into uh, Kyle in the home that he was growing up in, you know, living alone. The house had fallen apart. It's a disaster. It's a mess. He's a troubled... uh, you know, a guy in his, what, early 20s, I would say. And his sister comes over to try to get him out of the house, you know, like she does every week, basically. Get him some groceries, get him out, get him some sunlight. They go out, and a preacher, a reverend, um, runs into them. His name is Reverend Anderson. And he basically says, you know what, I remember you. Come with me. I can really use your help. And, you know, Kyle reluctantly decides to, you know, go ahead and see what this is all about. And the Reverend takes him to the house where the that boy in the beginning of the story bit his uh, finger off, and the Reverend had a hunch about Kyle, and which his hunch proved right is that Kyle has the ability to basically release spirits out of people's bodies, um, demonic souls, demons, whatever it might be. And a lot of it is just by you know trial and error, he's found that touching the, a person Putting water on him, exposing them to sunlight, will help expel the demon.
1: It's interesting.
0: It is very interesting. It's it's a very dark book, and it really makes you think. And just the art and the writing, the... the, the Oh, my gosh, the, the ink, the inking in here, everything is just blends in here in such a harmony together. You know, throughout the story, we find out that, you know, Kyle, he has... Um, been left by his wife and his daughter. I want to say the daughter was something like nine years old because he had abused, the, uh, basically beat his daughter. And so, you know, he's, he's split up from the family. Later on, towards the end of the story, we find out that wasn't the case. His wife was possessed, and she was the one that was beating the child. All right? And throughout the story, you know, it, as it progresses... You know he's able to expel the demon out of that child. The child becomes normal. He realizes for the first time in his life that, oh my gosh, I do have powers, and he and it makes him go back to his childhood, and he realizes that oh my gosh, my mother was possessed with a demon as well, and me being around her and me touching her helped expel her, but and that's why she ended up going getting comatose. So a lot of stuff progresses in here, and a lot of un unans- a lot of stuff went unanswered which we find out later on in the series, and it is well thought out, well written, well put together. But basically the issue just ends where, hey, he needs to find out what this is all about and what he's doing with this power is. Um, at the very end of it, there is a very well written letter by Robert Kirkman, and we all know Kirkman's letters and these things. Um, one little blurb in there that I have to throw out is that he puts in here, he goes, zombies are not real and never will be. An apocalyptic scenario, we hope, is just as unrealistic. The scariest things are real. Ever see Jaws, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or The Exorcist? Yes, even the last one, The Exorcist, is very, very scary and very real. And he goes into talking about how there is actual evidence that supports all of these theories with, you know, like The Exorcist. And he's going to be um, bringing these things out throughout the series. So, if you haven't read um, Outcast, I highly recommend it. I understand it's getting picked up for a TV show. I thank God for that. It is just the new, the, the scariest thing that I've actually seen Kirkman ever do. It is a hell of a lot scarier than Walking Dead, in, by far.
2: That sounds like it's right up my alley. I can't believe this is the first time I'm hearing about this, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's good. kind of been flying under the radar, then. It, it has. And I'm telling you, if you want to
0: really sit on the edge of your pants and have... The shit scared out of you. Pick up Outcast.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Exorcist scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. That movie is even to this day. Heck no. No, uh, no little children
3: named
1: Reagan, right?
3: Well, I was just gonna say the art in Outcast really, really makes the book even that much scarier. Yeah, um, it's just so good. Paul Azaceta, he's Aziketa, amazing. Yep.
0: yep. He, d- yeah, he did the art, and then of course the uh, uh, coloring is Elizabeth. Uh, right wiser she i mean and her coloring here just the schemes and the, everything the way she did it all it, it just all blends i say it, it's a harmony it's a symphony all put together so well it just you just can't wait to pick up the next one and then when you're done you want to read it again uh give it a try out there um but as for now that's going to wrap up this week's uh reviews that we have tune in to what we have next week
1: Right, everyone. I want to thank you again for tuning in to another edition of Pulling Ads. All right. And today, we actually have a very special guest, Derek Robertson. Hello. How's it going, Derek?
7: It's going good.
1: Great. And it's cool. I've never actually had a guest on Pulling Ads before like this.
7: Well, I'm I'm happy to participate. Yeah,
1: this is a first, man. All right. So... Just so I can explain it to you and all the people that have never listened to this before, let me give you the rundown of what we're going to do. So, me and Derek here have pulled out a comic from our personal collection. And what we're going to do is we're going to flip through it and see if we can find any advertisements or uh, any pages or anything outside of the panels that just stands out and is just iconic to us, something that just uh, strikes a nostalgia. So, Derek, are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome, awesome. So, I'm going to let you start this one off, actually. Since you're the guest, you get to go first. Just uh, what, what comic do you have for us?
7: I, I have the uh, Swamp Thing Annual from 1982, number one. And it's the official adaptation of the Embassy Pictures film Swamp Thing.
1: Awesome. Okay. What's
7: impressive about it is it's written by Bruce Jones and illustrated by Mark Texiera, based on a Wes Craven screenplay.
1: Have you ever seen it?
7: I, I well, the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think this comic is better.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I watched it for the first time. Uh, not. When long the guy
7: ago. mutates into the little, you know, drinks the serum and mutates into the little creature, looks much better in this comic.
1: I imagine, right?
7: (laughs) (laughs) And then the big fight at the end with the two rubber suits doesn't look so rubbery in the comic.
1: (laughs) Oh man, it just looks better on paper, right?
7: Oh, I you know I I, I chalk it up to Mark Texiera, but um, it just looks better on paper.
1: I mean, Texiera—he's done some cool things, but I mean, I haven't. Yeah, I definitely. I haven't actually seen. I wish I could see the ad that you're talking about right now, though.
7: Oh, the the comic's great. Uh, The ad I'm looking at is towards the back, and it says, right, right now. And And it's suddenly very, I'm very aware of how great the internet is because this is what the internet was before there was an internet. And you could get stuff, it was like there's a bunch of little ads throughout one whole page of comic book advertising and all terrible illustrations, if there are any, such as a guy doing a kung fu kick for all-star fighting game. <laughs> all-pro star fighting game is the exciting new martial arts game where 50 all-pro karate stars battle it out one-on-one. Star fighters attack with stunning kicks, paralyzing punches, and even the title of number one, or for the title of number one. Added <laughs> stars makes a great gift for everyone anytime. So, you know, you know any time. If somebody's getting married, get them this game.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a perfect occasion for punches and kicks. What does it say? Paralyzing punches.
7: It says, "Yeah, paralyzing punches for the oh title." of one. And you know, this thing had to be like completely like eight bit. <laughs> I know, crazy. right? So I love that it's like fifty stars, and it's probably just the little guy. But what's really great about it is you actually have to write a guy. Particularly, <laughs> he says, "Don't miss out on the fun." Send fifteen dollars now to Mister Charles Milton. You can barely read this. Uh, <laughs> Box nine one three two Department D C Albany New York. So he, actually, random. one guy I... was just selling these.
1: Some random guy. You don't even know what you're gonna get. I wonder if there's actually like cartridges or. No, they spending
7: fifteen dollars into the void there. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> there's no risk of that not showing up or not. Working. I know,
1: right? What's a scam anyway? <laughs>
7: <laughs> and this is a great one right underneath it. If that's not gonna make it for you, a fighting game. You got poems set to music.
1: Oh yeah, what's that?
7: Let our staff of professional songwriters buy your words or burn your words into a song. I'm sorry, this is like old printing, so it really is actually hard to read this because like it, the typeface is super tall or tiny, and it's kind of bleeding into the paper, so it's a little bit hard to read. Uh, but let songwriters burn your words into a song. Send your best poems for prompt consideration, free examination. And that's a Nashville Music Productions. Songs recorded, phonograph records made.
1: Dude, I think I've done a ad before where it was something like that. And it was like, send your original poems to this music company. And I think what it was like the same kind of idea where you had to send it in and stuff. But with the poems one, it's just they're stealing your lyrics and making songs out of it. It's like, please, write our music for us.
7: I, I would absolutely love to hear some of those. I <laughs> you know, know, right? There's got to be some terrible
6: ones.
1: I imagine man i imagine all right well i mean i on mine i kind of got a similar ad thing so i'm actually doing the marvel comics group warlock number 11 from uh february i forgot what year this was it was jim starlin though uh 1975 76 yeah 76 but um i don't know if you've read did did you ever read any warlock back in the day
7: yeah, back in the day, it's been so long, I, I couldn't tell you a single story.
1: Oh, yeah. This is that issue where, um, I guess, uh, Warlock finally kills uh, Magus. And um, the first time, I guess. But uh, it, it's it's funny, just some of the advertisements in here, because I have, you know, my the stereotypical one where it's like karate... It's like learn this, you know, uh, free coins or whatever with the you send in a stamp or something. But the yeah. one that really stood out to me is in the middle of the page. And it actually, it's like a yellow tint compared to all the, uh, the white ads, white and black ads. But it says in really big letters, be taller.
7: Oh, I was Sta- just looking at that one. <laughs> that was what I was going to read you next. I was looking at the same one. Be taller for facts yeah, about height increase.
1: Yeah, it's a guaranteed two to six inches taller. No gimmicks.
7: Thirty-five cents. That's 35 not a that's not a big price to pay to be taller.
1: I know, right? Who reasonable
7: 30. I I think I'd spend thirty five cents to be taller.
1: You know what? I, I wonder what they actually sent you back though. That's the thing. I wonder so bad what do they actually send you? That's not a gimmick. It's gonna make you they send you like a stretching rack or something.
7: <laughs> not for thirty five cents. Yeah, right. And, and uh, little, it would be like a printout of somebody standing on their <laughs> toes <laughs> or pictures of, like, shoes with heels.
1: Right. There you it's go. Like, go to the store, make this.
7: Buy shoes that are taller. <laughs> so, I wonder, okay,
1: so I wonder if we have the same page then. Do you have the uh, the Be a Veterinary
7: Assistant ad under it? Uh, no, mine's from 1982, so they might have done it yeah <laughs>
1: that's funny that it, it lasted that long obviously yeah.
7: it's, it's a small scam to collect 35 cents and I you, know, guess, you get it from a thousand people it adds up
1: i suppose so man i mean uh, the ad next to mine though there's uh, it's one of those ads it's just like i guess kind of nostalgic it's um big jim's pack
7: Oh, I remember. Those all those. All those guys were designed by Jack Kirby. I used to have those action figures.
1: Really? I didn't yeah, know those that.
7: Had torpedo fist, and uh, there's a guy with a whip.
1: Yeah, there is. Okay, yeah. There's the whip, Big Jim, Doctor Steel, and yep. Warpath.
7: Yeah, and and Jer- Jack Kirby did all the designs for those characters. That's
1: crazy. I didn't know that. I, this is yeah, the first cool, scene they had. Really
7: but and somewhat collectible because of that little tie-in. But I still oh, have I still have a torpedo fist in my many uh, preserved things from my childhood.
1: You just have a giant collection. Do you have a big uh, oh, nerd massive.
7: cave? I, I I'm just, I'm action figure crazy. So yeah, I got a I got a big nerd cave with action figures all over.
1: There isn't anything wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong <laughs> with it at all.
7: <laughs> it makes me happy. Well, if I, you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things where when I tell people what I do for a living, like the guy who came to install my new modem. I go well. I do draw comic books for a living, so it's not that weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like motivation, man. Right? Just look at well, it. Well, you get know, it
7: helps, it helps fuel the fire from maybe want to draw comics in the first place.
5: Very but, cool. Uh,
7: so here's a. I gotta tell you one more ad that I spotted because now I kind of wish I could send away for this, and I know I can't. But it's it? students, fans, collectors, and big giant letters. The book is here. How to draw tips from the top cartoonists. And this is the list of the top cartoonists that are in this book: Acala, Aragonas, Aparo, Barry, Boyette, Drucker, like Mort Drucker, uh, uh, Mike Rell, I assume. Uh, Garcia Lopez is in this thing, and then there's a lot of names I don't I don't recognize. But first edition. But somewhere out there, that I how to draw comic books from uh, those guys. That's back in 1982. Cool.
1: I mean, I always see those ads, like you know, it's like uh, draw comics the Marvel way, and all those other ones and stuff. And um, it, it's crazy. I, I mean, I I don't know personally how hard it is to find those now, but I'm sure it's kind of hard getting uh, getting your hands on them, especially since they're such popular things. They're still reprinting them now.
7: Yeah, I, I, that's just amazing. I can't. Even, I'd love a, to read it a, a tutorial by Mark Mark Drucker. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. With
7: all the great caricatures from Mad Magazine. That guy's a genius
1: cool very cool okay so i'll do my very last honorable mention right here it's going to be the last ad before we wrap it up
7: all right well uh, there's one here about going to high school do you need that because i can cut out the thing and send it to you, you can you're gonna high- cut it out and send it to me well, you, <laughs> after, you, after all these years you can finally finish high school
1: yeah you know that that, that might be something i need I, I actually send it to me it you know i can get hope that is out. It,
7: hope is in within reach is it tell it's me right more. here all you have to do is send this thing in and you're going to be able to graduate high school finally
1: finally <laughs> <laughs> I, the one i have here though is um it took me five days to lose three inches off my waistline wow. three pa- six pounds of fat firm tighten muscle up and then it shows a picture of what i assume is a bunch of bungee cords tied together and I, I don't even know what this guy is doing, but it looks like one is anchored to the wall, and then he's just laying on his back and flailing like a fish on the ground.
7: Maybe he's trying to do sit-ups with resistance.
1: No, because they're stuck on his legs, too, and his legs are way up in the air while he's flat on his back. And I he has them in his hands, too, and I'm like, it looks like he's trying to pull one single cord anchored to the wall with all of his limbs all at one time. And, uh... It, it, yep.
7: it looks like You can't argue with adults though. Six pounds in five days.
1: That's... I guess so, man. There's a full-page ad on this, and it's like I saw my muscles start shaping up right away, and it shows this before and after, and the after kind of just like Arnold Schwarzenegger with someone else's head put on it.
7: Yeah, you can't fake that stuff.
1: Not at all, man, especially in black and white.
7: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, for years we've been told we can get an Atlas body in seven days. This is just the next evolution.
1: Right. You know what's funny is almost all the ads on the page next to it are either wear Bruce Lee, learn to fight, uh, free muscles, and it's just like, I wonder who they were targeting these ads to.
6: Oh,
7: I can't imagine.
1: I wonder. I'm sure, um, you know, my uh, seven-year-old kids cousin to, to would get love it. It's on by
7: any means because everybody knows how cool the kids that read comics are.
1: Yeah, right? (laughs) All right. Well, it has been a great time today. I'm glad to have you here. Um, Thanks for coming on.
7: Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. That was fun.
3: Welcome, one. Welcome, all, to the mailbag section of our lovely podcast. Basically, what this section does is I get questions from you, the fans, and I answer them to the best of my ability. So let's get right into it. I got a question from Phoenix Rising 67 He asked, I was watching the Civil War interviews last night, and the guy who plays Vision was talking about his character becoming more human and possibly falling in love with Scarlet Witch. So my question for the podcast is, even though they can't, Presently use or allude to the word mutant. Do you think the MCU will have Vision and Scarlet Witch become a couple like in the comics and possibly have a child or children? Would be a perfect way to set up the No More Mutants storyline and if Marvel and Fox can come to an agreement similar to how Sony and Marvel did with Spider-Man? Uh, interesting question. Very interesting in fact because it's actually something I hadn't thought about and I guess I haven't seen the interview. Uh... My first problem with it is, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show has been setting up the Inhumans for a while now, and all I can think is, why would they not lead there? Now, another, I guess, piece of that puzzle is the origin of Scarlet Witch. Now, it wasn't made absolutely clear how it she came about her powers, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe anyway, and... For, to my knowledge, from what I remember from watching Avengers Age of Ultron, was that it was an experiment uh, on humans being led by Baron Von Strucker. So I can't help but think that the experiment, again, leading into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the experiment wasn't some sort of teragenesis that Scarlet Witch and her brother underwent to become Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as we know them. Now, that being said... I can definitely see Marvel going with a Vision and Scarlet Witch, uh, you know, subplot. I have, not of course, I haven't uh, seen Civil War as it's just dropping now, uh, this week. But um, I'd love to see it happen, and it would be a really interesting plotline just because of what we know that follows in the comic books. Now, as to no more mutants, I don't think it'll happen. The reason for that is. The X-Men movies actually make cash. We all complain about them. I am one of the people who complains about them. But I have, for some reason, bought the Blu-rays on Boxing Day, no less. But still, I've bought the Blu-rays. And I do enjoy, you know, the recent movies anyway. First Class, um, Days of Future Past, I actually liked it. Uh, I'm not a huge X-Men fan. So, you know... I may have to talk to my boys, Rusty Red, and possibly tap about this, but I did enjoy that movie for the most part. Uh, But I will say that I think instead of no more mutants, we may get no more Inhumans. And again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been really pushing the Inhumans. And, I mean, in general, I feel like a storyline where they completely remove, or for the most part, remove an entire species of characters in the marvel universe it's gonna be a while at least until contracts are up but i don't think that'll happen anytime soon so for now i'm gonna say no i don't think that's going to happen vision and scarlet witch may very well happen they may have kids i don't know uh it seems like a big step to take in the cinematic universe just because that's sort of I feel like you'd have to make a vision in the Scarlet Witch movie. But no, I don't think Fox and Marvel are going to coincide anytime soon with the mutants. Just because, unlike Amazing Spider-Man, which people really didn't like past two movies, I don't think Fox will take the steps that Sony did with Marvel and sort of bring these two uh, properties together. Which is a shame, believe me. I wish they could be on the screen at the same time. I just don't think it's going to happen right now. Welcome to Battle of the Geeks,
0: the sparking conglomeration portion of our show where I, Red, challenge our three contestants, who most of the time should but don't always know the answers to all things Comic Geek related. Let's start Battle of the Geeks, shall we? And welcome our guests, Rusty, Nova, and Tap. Hey. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey! Thank you. What's going on? Well, what is a contest without a prize worthy to fight for? So over the course of this year, you three will be given a series of questions, tasks, and challenges for points. Whomever tallies up enough points by December 31st will win the ultimate prize. A near mint copy of The Amazing Spider-Man number 300 with that famous Tom McFarland cover on it we all know so well. Yes. Yes. It's on, gentlemen. It is like so... The gloves are off. I know, right? Question is, are you three geek enough?
5: Oh, Oh. I believe so.
0: Well, let's start. Battle of the Geeks. So, question one, worth one point. This comic book had the last page with the caption reading, The Legend Begins Anew. Once again, that question is, this comic book had the last page with the caption reading, The Legend Begins Anew. Uh, invent. No, no, Batman,
1: no, or Captain America, no. The
0: legend I'm... begins anew. The legend
2: begins anew. Zorro, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Zorro.
1: <laughs> it's um, it's Spider-Man, right? <laughs>
3: That's what I was thinking. I don't, I don't know the legend. Superman?
0: What yeah. issue of the Spider-Man? Amazing Spider-Man 300! Um, I think I heard Tap in that one first. Oh. Tap, he gets oh. one point. <laughs> We're so sad. We so oh. should have known that. Oh. I, mean, I made it pretty obvious. I mean, yeah. the prize is Amazing oh. Spider-Man 300. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. All right, so in the theme of the Amazing Spider-Man 300, when Peter Parker took off his black Spider-Man suit, what did he do with it?
1: Threw it on Not the floor, like he kept it in a, no, no, he kept it in a trunk, but I mean, it depends. When did he take it off? What do you mean? Like,
0: at the end of the book, when Peter Parker took off his black Spider Man suit, what did he do with it in issue 300 of The Amazing Spider Man?
2: It went to Eddie Brock eventually, it went to Eddie
1: Brock in Um, Web of Spider Man. Well, okay, he lost the suit in Web of Spider Man 1 with the bell tower thing. Yeah, but, sucked, he said, down, but he wrote it down after he the But he took
2: noise. it off. He didn't lose it. He said he took Okay, it when he off. Yes, when Peter Parker took
0: off the black Spider-Man suit, what did he do with it?
2: Put it in his pocket. I don't
0: know. <laughs> he threw it
2: away. <laughs> I see. I all three face.
0: of you need to own a copy of this. Yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Feel free.
0: Well, let me ask you this. I'll go through one time with each of you. It's been so long since I read what this. do you think <laughs> you do
2: with it? I know, man. It's like came out like in what 93? and what, what did he? What did he do with it? What do you think
0: he did with it?
1: Well, I mean, he threw it away. Uh, like in the bell tower thing, it seeped away, and then it saved him, basically. But so your answer
0: is he threw it away. Yeah, let's put it. He threw it away. Tap. What do you think he did with it? He put it in his closet. He, he put it, it in, in a trunk. his closet. And Nova, what did you think
3: he did with it? Um, he put it on one of those uh, clotheslines he has just to dry it out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like in the Brooklyn lines, <laughs> up in the air from apartment to apartment.
0: Actually, gentlemen, you're all wrong. No points will be awarded for this um, question, but the answer is he threw it in the fireplace.
2: Oh, now. what if his what if his fireplace was in his closet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we will move on to question number three. Again, worth one point. Can you name? The four women that our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man has been in love with.
1: Okay, Mary Jane, Gwen, Stacy. Um, uh, the, what's the little one in Superior Spider? Does she count? I don't
3: think he, that was. Would that
1: be oh, Doc, Doc Ock? Ock but yeah. still, it's like Peter.
0: Sticking with the amazing sto- the Amazing oh, okay, Spider-Man okay, okay, storyline.
1: Okay. So, so Gwen, MJ. Um, it wasn't the midget girl. <laughs> yeah
2: um, You're saying he
3: was in love with them, or yes,
2: loved in them. love. Okay. I know one other, but I'm black not going to say it yet. Black? Oh, would you say Black Cat? I guess. Black yeah, cat. Felicia Hardy. That Felicia was the Hardy, Felicia Gwen Stacey, Hardy, Gwen Stacy,
0: and Mary Jane Watson. The next person that can guess the last one. That's the problem. I don't remember the last one. you the winner. Who is number four? I knew Aunt, three. Aunt
3: May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aunt May? No. He said that, in love. That's why I, not, that's that's why like I asked Aunt, in love for
0: love. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want to do his Aunt May.
3: Oh. Um oh Peter. Aunt May's sister? <laughs> oh no. Knows. Oh no. Um I don't know.
2: I'm trying to rack my brain I maybe. know
1: uh, they, I uh, I can
2: only think of the 3. I can't think of a 4 Madam Web.
0: <laughs> um gross. That's gross. Uh, uh, oh my god. And to our Quit. listeners, like I said before, they don't always know everything geek related. <laughs> <laughs> can't remember the 4.
5: Yeah, there is I somebody
0: don't... out there jumping up and down on their seat right yeah, now. Yeah,
2: they're probably screaming. Black Cat, MJ, yes,
0: Gwen, J.
2: and... Jameson.
0: <laughs> Do you guys yeah. give up?
3: I have no idea. I can't, Can I don't we have a what? hint?
0: Can we have a hint?
2: I don't think it's going to help me any, though. It's okay. a regular person, right?
0: Yes, yeah, a regular person. Well, you know how Stan Lee likes to um, give the same initials to everybody. This female has the same first and last initial
5: Hmm.
0: we had Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane Watson and Felicia Hardy who was number four
3: someone, I don't know it's gotta be like someone at the Daily Bugle he doesn't really go anywhere
2: Oh, Betty Brandt. Betty Brandt,
0: tap, gets another. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
5: Oh my
3: Why God. does he get all the points?
2: Oh my yes. God.
0: He's the one that wants an amazing Spider Man uh, 300 for his collection. I forgot
2: all about Betty Brandt. Betty Brandt.
0: All right. For, quite, for our next question, again, worth one point. In the original storyline, after being bitten by a spider, who did Peter Parker originally wrestle with before creating his costume? Oh.
1: Uh, uh, not Bonesaw.
8: That's the movie. The Crusher. Uh, um,
5: crusher. Uh, bone Crusher. Uh,
8: uh, crusher.
2: Devastator. Uh, it's something the like Crusher? Uh, uh, I have no idea. I, oh, no, my God. I bone swear. Crusher. Uh, not Macho bone man, crusher. Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Is it uh. Crusher? Are we on the right track or are we completely off? We're on the right track crusher
3: creole john cena,
5: <laughs> dun,
2: dun,
1: dun. John cena. <laughs> crusher. body crusher I,
0: I I demolition
2: crusher
1: oh. um it was something who were
3: some popular
0: wrestlers that came out in that time yeah it was something uh, uh,
1: um crusher hulk crusher i don't know um what nature boy
0: i don't know
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> nature boy crush <laughs> i think you should get the point just for just for creativity all right
0: tap since you're in the lead final call who what's the name
2: uh Crusher. Oh, Crusher Creel. Crusher Hogan. Or, Crusher Hogan. Yes. yes I said yes. Crusher Hogan, didn't I? No. You said Hulk. Huck, you said Hulk. You Crusher. Said Hulk. Oh, come on. As soon is as in he the said lead.
5: I was I thinking that too. I, I was sitting there. I was
3: like, I remember it. Crusher Hogan.
2: All right.
0: For our final question tonight, worth one point Amazing Spider Man, annual number five. It is revealed that Peter Parker's parents. Wow, that's a, that's a tongue twister. It was revealed that Peter Parker's parents. Had been spies for Shield. Who ordered the hit to kill his parents? Osborne. Red Skull. Red Skull is correct. Skull.
1: Okay.
0: Bum bum bum. I should have remembered that one. Pat, <laughs> you got four out of five points today. He it. I mentioned before that not only will you be given a series of questions, but tasks and challenges as well. Here to introduce your first task is Jake Combs, author of. Haunted by Shadows.
8: Jake, welcome. Thank you, Red. As our first challenge in Battle of the Geeks, a sound clip has been placed randomly into one of the 260-plus podcasts by Four Guys in a Comic. Let's listen now, shall we?
0: Everything seems peaceful, but don't let it fool you. This is Stan Lee warning you and Spidey and the mysterious Hiawatha Smith to beware of the dangerous Red Skull.
8: If you hear that sound clip, gentlemen... Be the first to notify Red, and you will win an extra five points towards your goal of owning a near-mint copy of The Amazing Spider-Man 300. question is, are you geek enough to find it? Jake, that almost seems too easy. It is, Red? That's why I've added a twist. If any four guys in a comic podcast listener finds it before the three, that listener gets to take five points away from anyone and give those five points to a different person. But wait. That listener will also receive a Four Guys in a Comic prize pack loaded with all sorts of goodies, including a copy of my audiobook, Haunted by Shadows. All the listener has to do is find that sound clip and notify what podcast it is in via Four Guys in a Comic's Twitter feed or Facebook site. Information provided in this podcast, link below.
0: Jake, what is it, the sound clips they have to uh, find again?
6: This clip here, Red. Everything seems peaceful, but don't let it fool you. This
0: is Stan Lee warning you and Spidey and the mysterious Hiawatha Smith to beware of the dangerous Red Skull. Well, that's it, folks, for Bet on the Geeks. Tune in regularly for more exciting questions and challenges with the opportunity for you, the listener, to win a 4 guys in a comic prize pack loaded with all sorts of great stuff.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Who's Who with four guys in a comic. This is Tap, and today with me I have a very special guest, none other than Mr. Greg Weissman. Most of you guys all know from Gargoyles Young Justice. He is here to tell us a little bit about Goliath today. Greg, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a little bit of history on Goliath, I guess. What can you, what can you tell us about the character, his origins and whatnot?
9: Gargoyles was originally developed as a comedy adventure show, um, and we Uh, attempted to sell that uh, in-house I was a development executive at Disney at the time and we pitched the show as a comedy adventure to uh, Michael Eisner who was uh, head of the Walt Disney Company at the time and um, Michael passed he didn't care for the show uh, in that form so we went back to the drawing board and I uh, showed our pitch to a number of people at Walt Disney Television Animation just to get feedback on it. What could we do to change the show? And one of the people I showed it to was Tad Stones, the creator of Darkwing Duck. And Tad suggested we had at the time all these cute little gargoyles. You know, it was sort of inspired by gummy bears. So we had a lot of multicolored little gargoyles. And Tad suggested that instead of having all these cute little gargoyles, what if we had one big gargoyle? Uh, and he pointed out we already had a human female character. He said you could do a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing um, because, as you may recall, there was this movie Disney had, a little thing called Beauty and the Beast was sort of popular for the for, for the company. And so he thought Eisner might get that, go for that, and that really sparked something in me. My background is comic books, so um, with the help of Greg Guler, who was one of our character designers, um, I created the character of Goliath, we took the whole show and put it through the prism of Goliath. And so what had been this fun little comedy adventure show became this action uh, drama with Goliath as the lead. He sort of became our, the captain ferrillo to Gargoyles Hill street blues.
2: Okay. Very cool. So I guess um, what about a little, so now we know kind of the background of how he came to be uh, what, I guess about a little bit about the origins of the character within the Gargoyles universe.
9: Sure. So, um, Goliath, if you go back far enough, um, certain episodes we've shown, uh, Goliath was a young, uh, gargoyle warrior, uh, under the mentorship of the gargoyle who became Hudson at one point, his mate was, uh, someone he referred to as his angel of the night, but who most of us know as Demona. And on one uh, mission to catch the archmage, Hudson was injured, and Hudson stepped down from being leader of the clan and made Goliath his leader. Um, Goliath, at that point, wasn't called Goliath. He was named after becoming leader by the humans, because gargoyles don't have names, or at least didn't back then. Um, and Goliath uh, became leader of the clan, uh, and he was leader of the clan all the way through the Wyvern Massacre uh, in the year 994. At the end of that series of events, Goliath found himself uh, with most of his clan destroyed, um, with the exception of a handful of other gargoyles who had been turned to stone by the Magus. So he asked the princess, Catherine, to take care of the gargoyle eggs that were down in the rookery. And then um, he asked the Magus to cast his spell again so that he would turn to stone with the other gargoyles. And there was no presumption then that they would ever wake up. It was really an act of self-destruction at that point to ask the Magus to do that. But a thousand years later, they were awakened. uh, And Goliath becomes the leader of the small clan of Manhattan gargoyles and has a number of adventures, discovers that Demona is still alive, but that she's gone to the dark side, so to speak, uh, discovers that he has a surviving uh, daughter, Angela, biological daughter, Angela, also all these rookery children, because the eggs were hatched and are living on Avalon. He befriends Elisa Maza, who's a New York City police detective, and ultimately um, the two of them fall in love, um, and that gives us the beauty and the beast thing I was talking about earlier. And the one thing I should also mention is that Goliath would not be Goliath without the amazing voice work of of mighty Keith David. Um, we must have listened to hundreds and hundreds of actors for Goliath. Um, we didn't really know what we wanted. We just, didn't, we just knew we hadn't heard it yet. And then Keith came in and uh, read for the role of Goliath, and suddenly the character came to life for us. And, uh, so all credit to to Keith and everyone else who worked on the show to bring Goliath to life.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm a big fan of the show. I grew up watching it. Um, I'm actually trying to get my seven-year-old. He's, he's starting to get hooked on it now as well. So thank you for creating such a memorable show and a show that lived with me through my childhood and that I'm able to pass on to my children now. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And with me tonight, I have Willie Cordy, uh, creator, author, illustrator of City Earth. And tonight, he's going to tell us about one of his personal characters. Willie, who do you got for us
6: um, tonight? We're going to talk about Soul. Okay, Soul is uh, um, uh, a major part of uh, City Earth and a lot uh, of the, the, the comic line um, in my book. And um, in the first few issues, he, he has a, a loss of memory due to the government erasing his memory because of who he is. Um, in my story, the the government wants to suppress the knowledge of metahumans, not just the metahumans themselves, but knowledge of, of them being, there being metahumans in my universe. And so his origin goes back to the 1970s, where he was a Marine and, um, in the Vietnam War, and he got doused by friendly fire with napalm and it reacted with his metabolism and gave him his superpowers well the thing with the thing there's a lot of hidden um stories that have come out about um soul and his battalion that he was with but the majority of them got wiped out um and the reason why i said majority of them got wiped out some of them did survive but he doesn't know it um about the other members of his uh his troop that that got um doubts with the map he thought basically thought he was the only only survivor um and i will reveal um along the line uh, down the line uh, as the stories um, come out um who who also survived but the thing about Soul is uh, he has uh, his, like I said, I, I'll talk about his superpower first, and I'll give you a little of uh, his, um, I guess, kind of mix it a little, his backstory in there. He has super strength. He can fly. He has, you know, the power of flight. He has what I, what I call concussion beams. He don't have, like, heat vision or nothing like that. Um, what comes out of his eyes are, are, are um, bolts of force that can knock you on your butt, basically. He wouldn't incinerate you, nothing like that. But um, he ages really slow, so most people think he's uh, immortal, but he's not. And that's also um, one of the reasons why the government erased his memory, um, because they wanted to put him out in the world so that he can continue to age. Because if they put him in suspended animation, then he would, you know, it would even slow the process down even more. And so they, they kind of want to get rid of him, but it was hard for them to, to kill him. So once they captured him, which is revealed in, in issue one, um, how they captured him. But once they captured him, the only thing they could do to, to keep him from being a threat to them. Is, is to tap with his memory because it's you know he was too uh, powerful for them to, for them to kill. Um, he has a, um, a heightened immune system and, and an extremely dense skin, which you know makes him in, um, near invulnerable. And the thing about Soul, I'll tell you how he got his name. Um, back in the 1970s, um, I have a storyline, it' you know, like one of the flashback issues, where he saves this elderly woman from a burning building, and She's the one that actually gave him his name, Soul, because at that time he he was in between when he was trying to figure out what should he do with these powers that he that he found or that he had, and in the process of building, one, you know it's always have some kind of tragedy happen, which kind of may, helps bring out the hero in us, and he rescued this elderly lady and she named him Soul because of the great pride that he showed in in, in his people, so. One of the things about him and the pride and, and pride that he shows is when people are around. That shows great pride in themselves. It also helps feed his power and makes him even more powerful. So that that's kind of kind of one of those things I I, I wanted to play I, I, in the beginning. I started playing around with about how to make him stand out from some of these other iconic characters that have super strength and flight and things like that. And he he doesn't know exactly how that happens. But you know it'll it'll be revealed later on um, down the line. Um, but the fact that when he's out with the people in the community and he's doing things and trying to save people, people have that pride and and and, and they want to reach out. It's like almost like you want to reach out and, and hand somebody, I guess, like your chi, basically. Okay. And he absorbs he absorbs the pride that people have and it, it gives them an extra boost of um of power. So. Is there anything in particular that you want to know about him?
2: Uh, no, I think you I much covered. No, I think you did a really good job of covering everything. I guess the only question that I would have is uh, for listeners out there that might be interested in, in reading more about this, where can they find City Earth?
6: Okay, right now City Earth 1 is online for a digital download. And in the Hampton Roads area, there's 11 stores that carry 11 stores that carry my book, and um, I can give you the names, or you can go on my website, 40 That's uh www.cordystudio.com cordystudio.com and if you go to the comic to comic section I have a list of stores like you know Comic Kings uh Atomic Comics um, Xenos, and uh, Atlantis Comics and a few others but issue 2 and 3 is about to go on sale uh, as a digital download also and you can get those also through my through the Cordy Studio website cuz it has a link that takes you to Indie Planet and that's where you can get the digital
2: download from. All right, fantastic. Well, I appreciate your time this evening. It was great talking with you and we'll also make sure that we throw up a link for you uh, on our on our site as well so that way everyone can, you know, follow it if you know they need to. So, thank you very okay, much. Willie. I greatly appreciate
6: it. All right, thank you for calling.
0: Now it's that time to bring you Red's weekly releases. The weekly release is for Wednesday, May 11th, 2016. But before we get started, I'd like to give a couple shout-outs to some comic book stores throughout the country that are supporting Four Guys in a Comic today. We have Royal Collectibles out of New York. We have Guido's Comic Book Haven out of Utah. Richie's Comic Cabana out of Connecticut. Comic Archive out of Pennsylvania. The Comic Book Hideout out of California, Disc Heroes out of Oregon, Famous Faces and Funnies out of Florida, Comic Quest out of California, Game Haven out of Utah, Wonderland Comics out of Connecticut, and we have Xenos out of Virginia, as well as Comic Kings out of Virginia. Thanks, guys, for supporting the show today. So let's go ahead and get started with this uh, week's releases. We'll go ahead and start off with Marvel. First on the list, we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D, number 5, at a cover price of $3.99. After that, we have the all-new All Different Avengers, number 9, for $3.99, with one variant cover for that. No, make that two! Yes, two variant covers for that. We will also be seeing the all-new X-Men, number 9, with one variant cover for that, at a price of $4.99. We shall also be getting Black Panther, number 1, second printing variant cover. And of course, Black Panther number two at the price of $3.99 with one, two, three, yes, I said it, folks, three variant covers being offered for that. We will see Dark Tower, the drawing of the three, Bitter Medicine, number two. This is part two of five at a price of $3.99. We'll also be getting Darth Vader number 20. And this will also have the action figure variant as well as a special Mark Brooks regular cover and the brown story variant cover as well we shall see deadpool number 11 for a price of 3 dollars with two variant covers being offered for that dr strange number six second printing variant and empress number one part one of seven with a second printing variant we shall be getting guardians of infinity number six for a price of $4.99 gardens of the galaxy number eight at 3 dollars with one variant cover being offered for that bringing it to Gwenpool number 2 at 3.99 with a variant cover being offered. Illuminati number 7 for 3.99. And then we will be getting Powers number 6 at 3.99 with two variant covers being offered. We shall see Silk number 8 for 3.99 with two variant covers. And of course, Ultimates number 7 for 3.99. Uncanny and Humans number 8 for 3.99 with an Apocalypse variant cover for that one. Ooh. We get Venom Space Knight number 7 for $3.99. Vision number 7 for three ninety nine. dollars Web Warriors number 7 for three ninety nine. dollars And now let's go ahead and see what DC Comics has to offer all of us. Looking at the list, we got Action Comics number 51, second printing variant cover, with Action Comics number 52 at a price of $3.99, with the alternate cover being offered for that one. We'll get Adventures of Supergirl number 1, 2 dollars Batman issue number 52 at $3.99 with one alternate cover being offered. We'll also be getting Batman Superman number 31 second printing variant not to mention Batman Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles number 6 as part 6 of 6 at a price of 3 dollars with one variant cover being offered. we will be getting Catwoman number 52 at a price of 2 dollars with an alternate cover. You'll get Constantine the Hellblazer number 12 for a price of 2 dollars Dark and Bloody, number 4. This is part 4 of 6, folks, at a price of $3.99. DC Comics Bombshells, number 12 for 3 dollars Earth 2 Society, issue number 12 for 2 dollars Gotham Academy, number 18 for 2 dollars Green Lantern Corps, Edge of Oblivion, number 5. This is part 5 of 6 for a price of 2 dollars Harley Quinn and her Gang of Harleys, number 2. This is part 2 of 6 for 3 dollars with a variant cover being offered for that. You should be getting... New Romancer number six this is part six of six for a price of 3 dollars Red Hood Arsenal number 12 for 2 dollars Followed by Scooby Doo, Where Are You? Number 69 for a price of 2 dollars as well. Starfire number 12 for 2 dollars Superman number 51. We get Superman Wonder Woman number 28, second printing as well. Swamp Thing number five this is part five of six for $2.99. All right, now let's go ahead over to look at uh, the image comics and see what they have for us. Always something good from image. We have on there disciple number one, second printing, disciple number two, second printing, faster than the light number six, fix number one, second printing variant cover. And let me tell you, fix number one was a really good read. I recommend to check it out. And while you check it out, we also be getting fix number two as well for three ninety nine. Give it a try; you'll like it. We get Grizzly Shark number two, Island number seven, Jupiter Circle volume two, issue number six of six, with a variant cover being offered for that, folks. We have Monstrous number four, second printing variant cover, uh, Pencil Head number four, part four of five, Prophet Earth War number four, this is part four of six shutter number 21 and hey look at that southern bastards number 14 and finally to wrap it up for image we have boom 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 think tank creative destruction number two with an alternate cover very offered for that by of course matt hawkins be sure to check out our podcast with matt hawkins you're gonna love our interview with him and you're gonna love think tank really great uh story and i know i have it in my pull list can't wait to pick it up this wednesday all right, everybody, that wraps up Red's Weekly Releases for Wednesday, May 11th, 2016.
1: All right, everybody, you have just witnessed the rebirth of Four Guys in a Comic. Wasn't that cool, guys? It was fun. That was That was fun. It was a little different. You know, it was a little kooky, but I think it went pretty well. I hope everyone out there that was listening thought it went pretty well. Give us a comment on Facebook. You can tell us on there what you think about it. You can... Just get a hold of us somehow, okay? And let us know what you thought of the rebirth. Also, go to our Facebook, and there's also some writers on there that are kind of cool. They do reviews and stuff, you know, about every day. But you know what? If You, you got to go up there and
2: give them a like. Tell them what you think about it. Follow the page and uh, tell them that they're great. Just do it. Or, if you want to avoid all the Facebook, I don't recommend it. But if you do, hit us up on Twitter at the number 4 Guys and a comic. You can tell us what you think about the rebirth there. You can tell us that you hate us. You can tell us that you love us. You can tell us
3: that you want to be on the show. You can tell us whatever you want. Just hit us up on Twitter. And if you haven't already, be sure to go to our website, 4guysandacomic.com. Uh, we've got every single Facebook review archived on there if you prefer uh, browsing that way. And we've also got a bunch of links to our sponsors and some very special websites, such as the uh, Joker one. We've also got a list of the people we've interviewed so far, and we update you weekly on what the podcast for the week is all about.
0: And finally, don't forget to uh, click on the links below down there, and you'll see a link for Popner TV. Click on it, check it out. You're really going to enjoy it. Also, we have a link there for Con TV. Give it a try. And finally, don't forget, as we mentioned, in the contest. If you want to win yourself a four-guys-in-a-comic prize pack find that audio clip other than that hell hydra you stay
3: classy internet
2: celsius the power is yours